0: Welcome to The Bomb Shelter, your weekly journey through the miraculous world of film. And welcome to episode four of The Bomb Shelter. That's Pat. I'm Max. Welcome. Hi, I'm Pat. How are you doing this week, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, How are you doing this week? I'm doing fine to okay this week. It's it's not been that remarkable, if I'm honest, but I don't think this is the podcast to talk about our lives, is it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it might be the other podcast that i have for which i have not made an episode in like over a year really? um yeah it's a fun podcast to do i should have invited you on it sooner Damn. but uh we'll figure that out later this one's for uh mummy stuff this is going to be a podcast for mummy stuff Oh, this, this we'll the figure podcast out the for other movies. stuff later
0: this is the this is the movie this is a podcast for this movies is the bomb shelter <laughs> it's a podcast where we talk about generally accepted bad Films, trying to find positive things about them because every film is a miracle and there are bad miracles. Bad miracles are st- yes still miracles. This week's feature presentation is 2017's The Mummy. But before we get into that, Pat, what did you watch this week?
1: Oh my God, Oh, we're totally going to have to figure out like a musical jingle for that. I think we need, look, this is what we need for this show. We need a musical jingle for the sections that we have. Then we need a soundboard filled with random clips that I could just summon at will. Because that would be fun. Oh, for that, Isn't that fun? For that, we're going to um, need a
0: different recording setup altogether so that they can be <laughs> put into the recording we're gonna need, in we're real gonna time.
1: Need, we're going to need staff. We're, we're going to need so many more resources. But these are stuff that we should put totally integrate into the show. But what did I watch this week, man? Well, much like you and much like pretty much everyone we know, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 this week, and it was a delightful-ass movie. I found it to be super fun, super great. Uh, Can't recommend it more. Honestly, I
0: completely agree. It is my favorite (laughs) Marvel Cinematic Universe film since Avengers Infinity War. So that, you know, just to put that into context, that includes Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man No Way Home. I enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 more than both of those. Okay. My God. I think it has to do a lot with the heart that these films, these scripts, these performances have because it's not the same. Goddamn that this is the final MCU film that James Gunn is ever going to make while it's you know he's gonna make films for DC now. We're gonna have to wait a bit, yeah, for his stuff over there to come out and to resonate.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think he's gonna do a great job with Superman. I think he's gonna nail Superman to a T. If anyone was gonna do Superman in in a way that was very bright and colorful, James Gunn's the dude. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, man. I thought I thought this movie was great. I thought it was. I thought it was a lot better than part two. When I put it in context, I thought it was a lot better than part two. Because part two to me is like, it's the same thing as the first one. Like, the first one was all about like this team getting to learn how to work with each other. And the second was like, they're all assholes to each other again. And then you split them up so at the end, they can learn how to work with each other again. And that's to me, the the main flaw of the second movie is that. It's just like, no, give them time to like be a crew. Don't split them up. Don't do the weird pairings with Drax and Mantis. Don't do the weird pairings with, with uh Rocket and Yondu for some reason. Like that that seems kind of weird in a movie that's kind of an ensemble piece. Uh, and this one is fully committed into like giving you this vibe of a team that has been around for more like together for ten years plus. Uh, and this team that has like real gravitas built up and is really concerned with like wrapping up all the character arcs in a way that's tight in a way that makes sense in a way that is like emotionally resonant which I did not expect from noted goofball James Gunn Um, yeah man I I found it super compelling I found it to be super refreshing after the last whatever batch of Marvel movies where the effects are a little wonky because they're also working on Multiple TV shows and The Mandalorian at the same time. Like this had physical sets and fully developed VFX, and this had understandable, well-established action. Uh, this had like this featured like always the impeccable music tastes of James very Gunn. Very well on um, the action,
0: I think very well shot action as well. That um,
1: so good that there's that a hallway sequence hallway towards scene the end that
0: features a Beastie Boys song. It is quite violent, but it's shot (laughs) really well. And it even uses the violence to incorporate some creative camera movements and perspectives that, well, you wouldn't have been able to have in a movie, what, 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, and the villain, I found the villain to be, like, a happy medium between, like, the pathos of ego and the cartoonishness of, like, I will destroy this planet of Ronan the Accuser, because this movie understands that since it's the final installment in a trilogy and it's supposed to be like wrapping up the character arcs and the development of a lot of its characters, like Drax and Gamora, who are not going to return on future films, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you, it understands that it's more concerned with the heroes and the characters that you already know and love and giving them a satisfying ending. So it's a very happy medium of like, yes, this is like a cartoonish mad doctor character, but there's also like a lot of narcissism and a lot of stuff for the actor to have fun with. And he kills it. Chukwudi Wooji kills it as a high evolutionary. And he's yes. so well drawn. And he's so fun to watch. My God, this movie was really good. Super fun movie.
0: I would just add to the cartoonish descriptor. I would say cartoonishly evil specifically. Because oh, he's, he's not evil. whimsy. He's not... Um, no. <laughs> well, he's funny at times. But I don't think intentionally.
1: He's he's charming and charming. he's uh, he's a, it's magnetic to watch him. He's he's a very magnetic presence in a way that Ronan the Accuser was not. Because like as as fun as the first movie is, I don't care about what Ronan wants or needs. Like he's just there to be distressed that Star Lord is dancing in front of him. So, like, this one was like, no, this guy has objectives, and this guy has, like, actual emotions, like, jealousy. Like, this very complex emotion that, like, he created Rocket Raccoon, and even still Rocket Raccoon figured out something that he couldn't. And that moment where he's like, you're nothing, how come How come you figured this out when I did it? It's a very cool moment for a supervillain to have, particularly. And he behaves like a supervillain, yes. which is like, I want... Like, these are, like, these are based on comic books, like, it's okay to have the pathos and, like, making these characters grounded and relatable, like, but there are some of them that are just too cartoonish, like, I like the idea of making Baron Zemo grounded and relatable, and Loki grounded and relatable. But like Ego, the Living Planet, and the High Evolutionary are two characters that do not need to be (laughs) grounded and relatable, especially considering who they are and what they do. And it's like one of them is like, "No, I make uh, raccoon monsters in the search of a perfect society." You're like, neither of them are
0: grounded because
1: neither of them are from Earth, even though both have visited Earth. Except, well, Ego is the ground of the planet that he is so he's grounded in that sense well but like he but like kurt russell makes him charming and makes him personable and makes him like as human as a living celestial planet can be yeah and it's also like the relationship we has with he has with peter as like his dad is like well that's interesting but it's also like we need to see the these characters as like a crew and the movie doesn't really have give give itself time for that. And I really like that this movie was like really concerned and like, no, we're all banding together because we need to save rocket and we're all banding together for the sake of the survival of our friend. It's like, well, that's a better story. I think or a better way to execute the this type of team than the second one was. And I, and I just really liked it on its own terms. I like Cosmo, the space dog. I thought she, I thought Maria Bakalova was great. Um, I thought, well, I mean, people are like, Adam Warlock is an utter waste. And you're like, in what sense? Cause he's in this story just to be like a punching bag. Kind of. If, if, because he, there's he people that were arc. disappointed because he wasn't, he gets an arc, but like people were expecting him to be like new member of the guardians from like the beginning of the movie, because a lot of people associate, and this is what I call the last Jedi phenomenon. It's like, there are people that are betrayed because a movie did not fulfill a fan theory or like stuff from the source material or stuff okay, like that. Wh- wh-
0: there's just a lot of a quick detour. What was it about the last Jedi that people were expecting that didn't come true? Oh uh,
1: that oh the Ray's parents reveal and who Snoke is and all like all the stuff that they had already oh. like theorized from Force awakens and then Ryan Johnson is like, well, I I find th- these questions to be kind of boring. And there's more fascinating things that I could sort of toy here's with, the, here's and the thing, that's not here's all thing, people though. are mad about in here's the Last the thing, Jedi.
0: Though. Ryan Johnson was kind yeah. of right. Ryan Johnson yeah. was kind of right. He
1: was he was one hundred percent right, and uh, I'm not saying one hundred percent. There's a lot. Right. There's a lot more reasons. Right. There's a he was kind of right, but there's a lot more reasons that people are mad at the Last Jedi. But I call it oh, sure. in terms of like people theorizing about like sequels. I call it the Last Jedi effect because like people. Do feel betrayed when a movie is not like the movie that they had built in their heads a little bit. And they were, ex- I think people were expecting a lot out of Adam Warlock when he's just there to be a punching bag and he's just there to be like this, this like element that makes the guardians have to move around from location to location and explore different like planets and stuff. Like he's there to be chasing the guardians of the galaxy. Up until the end of the movie, like the mid-credit scene where he forms a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's all he's Spoiler. there for. And people that are like, a, that's, "Well, he's that's an a brand new movie, man." Yeah, I mean, just spoiled. Sp- well, this episode is going to come out on Tuesday, Still. so like you've had a weekend. Still. <laughs> you've had you've some had people, some people. Some people might not weekend. go to
0: the theaters opening weekend, man.
1: So I, I mean, look. Bad on them, <laughs> if you're looking suppose. for spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I I guess so, man. I mean, I don't know. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we should we should add a spoiler sound effect, I guess. Uh, but yeah, man, I love this version of Adam Warlock as much as I love the comics version. I love when movies do their own thing, especially when they're adapting something. I love when, especially when it comes to like remakes and sequels and like franchise stuff. Like, I respect even if it's a bad movie, I respect it when like Disney remakes do their own thing, like. More than I ex- respect, like, shot-for-shot, frame-by-frame recreations, because they just kind of feel like, kind of, like, soulless and weird. Oh, yeah. Like, Mulan has a Mulan has a lot of problems, but I respect that it's its own movie, rather than just being, like, a Cliff's Notes of the original, and from what I hear, Peter Pan and Wendy is the same thing, and The Jungle Book is kind of like that, and Cinderella's kind of like that, and I... I don't know. I I I respect when a movie is like, well, I know what Adam Warlock is like in the comics, but in here, first of all, he's like a member of an actual race. Hmm. He's not he doesn't have the soul stone. Absolutely. He doesn't have all these associations to Thanos. He's just a dude that can fly and he's all made of gold. And he's Will Poulter. And that's fine. He's
0: so much unlike the comics already, based on his origin, that to pivot him into his comics persona. I guess, would have felt pointless at the stage. Either way, I really, really liked Adam Warlock and how he was used in the movie, even though people think he was completely yeah. useless. Something that carried over from the second Guardians that I really like, that are, some people have problems with and call the movie bloated. Absolutely everyone gets an arc. Everybody that shows up in the film. Yeah, everyone. I guess maybe yeah. the Ravagers don't do as much as they do in... Guardians two, yeah. What's what's Sylvester Stallone's character's it's, name?
1: Oh, his name is Stakar Ogord, alias uh, Starhawk.
0: Okay, Starhawk. I guess Starhawk doesn't really have an arc. He just shows well, up no, because he him and James have to. Gunn became friends on the set of Guardians two.
1: Yeah, and also like his purpose is to be like this. Like the, like, I guess the face of this new family Gamora has yeah. formed, which is like, well, that's fine. Again, it's about like the core team and like this new version of Gamora, how she's different from old, from like, uh, previous timeline Gamora. Like, yeah, it's fine. And, and in theory, they this could is do about...
0: something with the Ravagers, but probably without Zoe Zaldania because she's publicly said that she's done with Gamora.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. But she's she was said like she hoped that they recast the character because oh, like did she yeah she said like I'm not gonna play Gamora anymore but like if anyone else wants to play her like th- if this is a character that's important to people so yeah go ahead the okay, one that's not great. coming back oh, is nice. Drax uh, Dave Batista has not said anything to that effect no but also like I can empathize with Batista because five hours just like <laughs> getting that Christmas tree makeup on is crazy it's it's a lot gotten
0: it down to a system by the third film but i still don't yeah i don't think it's plausible that this could have taken any less than two and a half to
1: three hours by the third film yeah it's crazy it's a crazy it's crazy but yeah man that was a good movie what what else did you watch this week? i
0: saw fantastic mr fox on friday which is one of the few wes anderson's that have been missing from my watch catalog, and it was fantastic, brilliant, perfect, 10 out of 10. It's great. I don't know what else to say about it that hasn't been said before. I, I'm i incredibly impressed still with Wes Anderson's style. It's like him performing a magic trick in front of me. Like, you know, online film discourse always pretends that they're still over what Wes Anderson's shtick is. To me, his shtick shtick still looks a lot like a magic trick at times which i mean that's kind of what movies yeah. are supposed to be so absolutely great. a fantastic film yeah it's a 1000 recommend i've never imagined movie. george clooney would be able to do a voice as well as he does and well you can watch it in the region of the world that we're in on HBO Max. So go right ahead, fantastic, Mr. Fox.
1: Yo, go right ahead. Watch all. Watch all of Wes Anderson. I I like. I'm not a huge fan of Wes Anderson, but the movies of his that I like, I really enjoy. I love. I love Life Aquatic. I love it. I love it very much. And I love uh, Grand Budapest. I love both those movies because they're fantastic. They're, they're really and good the movies. other
0: stop motion animated one that he's made, Isle of Dogs. Oh,
1: uh, I of dogs. Pretty it great. was
0: a fantastic date movie. Let me tell you that much. My date was very impressed <laughs> with me because obviously I picked the Wes Anderson film to go on the date for. So,
1: oh, fan- yes, they're great date movies. Yes. I guess. if
0: you want to see Asteroid they're City this summer on a date, don't even hesitate. <laughs> go right ahead.
1: Don't hesitate. There, I I find Wes Anderson movies to be very soothing experiences, very relaxing experiences. So they do lend themselves to like a second or a third date or sort of first situation. date even. First date, I wouldn't go to the movies on the first oh, date. Oh, uh, I see. Because I cause you don't get to talk. Um, well, I mean, you can meet if for you coffee talk in the movie theater. And I am in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, but like and finding yeah, sure, out people's they're, they're cinema etiquette really is
0: very important for a potential. Oh, relationship. it's very important if they're if they're a yes, talker yes for us uh, for us it is yes
1: oh my god i'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need to a talk, talk if they're a talker <laughs> during the
0: film then oh
1: <laughs> man yeah it also kind of depends on the movie because sometimes you just want to be chatting with like just whispering references and like a joke you just thought of and so here and, so and they're like oh Keep that's those great. to I, your goddamn
0: self if we ever go see <laughs> a movie in theaters together do not whisper
1: <laughs> okay sure now i know how to behave with you um yes what else did i watch this what week else did you watch uh, this week i watched i watched the adam sandler movie hustle which is a delightful movie i did not expect i thought it was um it is very cookie cutter it is very much like a sports drama of like rookie making it all the way to the top you know what i mean it's okay. one of those movies but it's just but it's just so enjoyable and it's just filled with a lot of heart which is what a lot of these types of movies are really missing nowadays. And like, man, when Adam Sandler is given good stuff that he probably didn't when write Adam himself, when Adam Sandler is invested, he can
0: let's let's say it like that.
1: No, because Adam Sandler is always invested. Really, but like when he gets like good, like good meaty, like he loves everything he does. He's so into like the the dumb shit he makes. He's he's but like, so into I would Jack never and call tell. him. Is he really? He's in. He's extremely into Jack and Jill. He's, he's a guy that's, for all his faults, you can't call him dispassionate. He's a guy that is very passionate about the projects that he's in. Doesn't matter who, especially if he gets to be in there with his friends. Oh, my God. I, I If I was Adam Sandler, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, oh, I get paid to, like, fart around the lake house with my buddies. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, But, like... I, I get I get why some people might be like apprehensive but like that dude is living his best life and I like this idea that people have seen his potential for dramatic performances cuz he's good in them he's good at he's good at doing dramatic stuff and I want him to do more dramatic stuff he's doing another Safety Brothers movie apparently yeah, for Netflix which I can't wait I to believe. see he's doing another Netflix Safety Brothers movie which sounds great I can't wait to see it I loved as as much anxiety as it gives me, I love it's Uncut a great Gems. Film I that think it's a miserable
0: it's experience. I so think we addressed it on the pod before. <laughs> it's a
1: miserable experience. Yes, it's it's in the Requiem for a Dream, the father sort of camp of like movies that I thought were great, but I don't want to watch again because of what they did to me. Um, but yeah, man, I I really enjoyed Hustle. I thought the guy that plays the Spanish uh, basketball player that he tutors is he's an actual basketball player and he's pretty good at acting. He's a good There's actor. There's a bunch
0: of basketball players in there that I, well, I was watching for anyone who's interested in sports and also listens to this podcast. I was watching the Philadelphia 76ers play the Boston Celtics today. The Philadelphia 76ers are my favorite team. And I think they're also the team that Adam Sandler's character works for in Hustle. Yes.
1: There you go. He he works for the, he works for the 76ers. So you have a couple
0: yeah. of 76ers in there. I think Matisse Thibel and Tobias Harris both play... Significant roles yeah. But obviously the two main yeah. guys Are Anthony Edwards Who's a former number one draft pick So he in addition to being a good actor Is really good at basketball And then there's Juan Man <laughs> yeah. Gomez Who is the guy That Adam Sandler discovers And I think he's out of the league
1: What? Oh man he looks he's great He's a cool dude he,
0: I believe he won Eurobasket With Spain last year where he, I think he would have played Slovenia in the No, not Slovenia. Not Slovenia. Who did they play in the final of Eurobasket? It doesn't matter. Spain won Eurobasket, and Juancho and Willie Hernan Gomez, because there's two of them, were... Yes, there's two Hernan Gomez dudes. They were, they were big contributors on that Spain team that won Eurobasket, but for the life of me, I can't remember who they beat.
1: Oh, I I don't know. I don't know much about sports in general. I'm a Lakers dude, though. Really? I like the Lakers.
0: What a surprise.
1: Yeah, I'm a Lakers. Oh man, they're they're doing they're not doing great from no, what I hear. They're, they're not actually doing, doing good really this season. They I just saw that they lost against yeah, the Warriors, but then the they won against the by, Warriors by like yesterday, I believe. Oh, then screw what I just said. Go yeah, Lakers. <laughs> Go at LeBron. This point, they're
0: playing every other day. It's the conference semifinals. Yeah. No, I, I think the Lakers have yeah. the potential to go to the final. But let's get rid of the sports talk. Did you watch anything else? Any yes. TV shows, perhaps?
1: Oh, I watched The Bear. Finally. I have not watched The Bear. And it's, and it's great. Oh, my God, it's a good... <laughs> oh, my God, it's a good... It, it instantly became one of my favorite shows from... It came out last year, right? It's up there yes. with Andor for me of like stuff from last year that I thought was really, really great. It is my favorite TV show from last year.
0: Beating out Andor, and yeah. Well, I also think Better Call Saul was better than Andor, but let's not get into that right now. Yep, the bear I did is not w- I have, shot. Will you believe
1: me if I told you? Did I, would you believe me if I told you that I have not watched a single episode of Better Call Saul? Yes,
0: I would, because that show is not, not for a everyone. One.
1: I love Breaking Bad. I love. I mean, love that show. It's genius. Uh, I have not watched a single episode of Better Call Saul, even though I keep hearing that it's great. But I have the same problem that I had with Breaking Bad at the beginning, which is like it's it's just a lot of seasons, I guess. And uh, and a lot of time and a big time commitment that I have to put in because it's one of those classic TV shows where it's like 24 episodes a season, like classic broadcast TV order. And like I need I would have to like enter a covid era. Maybe now that the writer strike is happening and content is going to start dipping in quality. I'm going to go back into the well and watch Better Call Saul to watch the stink of all these shows that I like that are go- going to go ahead without writers and inevitably going to be ruined, like house of the dragon and rings of power. that are going to like well, fall off a cliff because there's no lore guys on set because they're all on strike.
0: Well, first of all, just, you know, in case anyone from over there is listening, we 100% support the writer strike. 100. Please keep those picket lines. If we were going members of the WGA for everyone of you and everyone who will yes. come after you. I don't consider yeah. Better Call Saul that big of a time commitment because I think the longest season has 13 episodes. They're all an hour long and they all take their time, kind of like Breaking Bad did. But I know a lot of people that saw Breaking Bad haven't seen Better Call Saul. My mom was the exact, you know, inverted of that. She watched Better Call Saul with me, but didn't know breaking bad and then when someone from breaking bad showed up and i would go like D- didn't didn't mean <laughs> like, anything to her when she saw Gustavo, wow or that's hector salamanca or or walter white and well again you just spoiled another c- come on man like, that's hector, okay hector that show hector is Guns, like people know that they show up in better call saw walter that white was six that's, months that's a much ago, bigger man.
1: Surprise. It ended 6 months ago, man. You got to you got to cut me some slack, bro. Well, <laughs> like, come right. on. It ended the previous TV season. Sure. <laughs> That's when it ended. It ended the previous so, M season. The bear.
0: Would you like to say a couple of things about The Bear?
1: Oh my god, it's so great. It's so well performed. The the dialogue is great. It's a uh, it's, a sh- it's one of those shows that really benefits from the fact that you, from, like, its ambiance, you are kind of stuck in this kind of claustrophobic, cramped little kitchen space with this character as he's slowly losing his mind. I love, I love the w- little quirks of all the side characters. I love to hate Richie. I love to hate him. Uh, he's, he's such a well-written character, and he's such a dick. Yeah, Evan, <laughs> Evan <laughs> Moss,
0: bike rocker. I saw him in the bear and then very quickly after he showed up on Andor.
1: <laughs> he's he's that, in an episode two of Andor, yeah. He's in
0: multiple episodes of Andor. Yeah. I think he's part of a three episode arc. But
1: Yeah, he's he's like in the in the money heist arc and he's also and I didn't recognize him at first, but he's also in both seasons of Punisher as like a yes, main character. That's true. Yeah. He plays Micro in Punisher, and I was like, where do I know this guy from? He was in Punisher, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's the funny hacker dude from Punisher who's, like, really good at the character he plays. So I was like, yeah, I can't wait to see more stuff out of this guy. He's really good at yelling orders at people. He's really good at airing his frustrations. That's a good That's a good little pigeonholing that they've done for Ebon Musk or Bacharach. I love Jeremy Allen White now. I, I want to see everything this guy has done. He's good. Oh, my God, everyone's so good in this.
0: Yes, and shout out to Ayo uh, Ayo Edibiri as well. Adibiri, yeah. She steals for sure. the show at times. She. She's she's gonna be in a, in a in a couple of bigger things now, and also she, obviously she's gonna continue being on the Bear. But I'm very excited to see her career sort of progress.
1: Yes, she's she's really great. Everyone, man, this show's so great. I can't. Uh, John Bernthal. I was like, wait, John Bernthal is in this, and then Joe McHale is in there for like five yeah. seconds. You're like, oh my god, Joe McHale's in the show. Hey, and the second season this, is coming so many... up this
0: summer, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk is going to be in the second season. Yes. Um, I love mid two thousands SNL, so Abby Elliott being in this was an absolute delight. Yeah, man. This uh, Oliver Platt is in this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is great. Oh, and
0: they just announced that Molly a- Gordon is also in the second season.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah, Molly Ringwald, I think, is in a, in an episode of the show at like the anon meeting, meeting or something. Meeting. I was like, wait. What? So many random like what a ragtag group of like incredibly talented character and comedy actors in this yeah, show. It's so cool great. to
0: see people that you like in the show.
1: Yeah, it's cool to see people that you like in things that you like. Precisely. Well, what did, what else did you watch? Oh,
0: I saw well, right after we finished recording last week's episode on the Emoji Movie. Listen to that if you haven't yet. I watched the <laughs> yeah. new episode of Barry It was absolutely fantastic. Unlike Pat, I'm not just going to shoot out spoilers. Um, Yeah. You know, Bill Hader has evolved on the show as a filmmaker, which is absolutely fantastic. He has a very creative way of showing what his characters are going through. There are some very interesting and mysterious things happening there all at the same time. I've said this many times that Anthony Kerrigan is my favorite performer on the show and should have won an Emmy if it were up to me. Henry Winkler is incredibly funny and also really, really tragic. Oh, my God, he's great. Well, it's an episode, last last week's episode, this is, I guess, a minor spoiler. Barry isn't in it as much, so it's a showcase for everyone that orbits Barry. So it's a showcase for Hank played by anthony kerrigan it's a showcase for sally it's played by sarah goldberg and it's a showcase for kusuno who's played by henry winkler
1: oh my god he's so i
0: have genuinely no clue where the rest of the season is gonna go i think we're halfway through the final season of barry i'm gonna be watching as soon as they come out every sunday
1: yeah that sounds that sounds so great um I don't have anything else to talk about, so shall we get shall we get into mummy we'll stuff? We'll get
0: into our future presentation.
1: <laughs> yeah. It okay. Is... So uh, I'm gonna give a little info on this All movie. All right. So... Let us know
0: what is this movie about, Pat.
1: Oh my God, what isn't it about, man? <laughs> uh, this movie it it is a um, of course it is a continuation or a remake. I don't really know what it is. It is an attempt to reignite one of Universal's multiple. Uh, classic monster properties from the 30s uh they already did it once with brendan Fraser. they did it again with brendan Fraser, and they did it for the third time with brendan Fraser. but they did one that the last one was not in egypt it was in china and it was not as good as the first one neither was the second one but they were weird fun romps they were very 90s indiana jones inspired adventure movies whereas the 30 the 30s version was like a classic you're you know what you're
0: doing? You're finding what? excuses to not talk about the modern mummy that we just saw. I
1: I am. I am. Because here's <laughs> the thing. Universal. You know these things, uh, Max. I don't know if you've ever heard the term cinematic universe. But it is something I that is starting to well, catch yeah. on. It's starting to catch on in media. And by starting to, really? I mean it's been around since at least 2008 mm. when Iron Man mm. launched. <laughs> and <laughs> every other... St- yeah, and every other studio has tried to, has tried Biden at it. And it's happened with moderate to no success at all. Uh, DC did it to mixed results. Uh, Godzilla and King Kong did it to m- sort of positive results. Like it is, it is what th- it is. I think they got it, it, is it right months-
0: within their means.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a monkey punching a reptile, and then the reptile shooting fucking fire breath back at the monkey, and you're like, well, Godzilla wins, duh. Um, Oh, King Kong has an axe? No, Godzilla still won. Cool. (laughs) And then they fight another Godzilla, and you're like, okay. But Marvel, like, they started the formula, and the formula is set in uh, at least until three more box office failures like Ammon and the Wasp was, And then we're going to start worrying about stuff. But I don't think so, because it's Disney. And if there's something they don't know how to do, it's learn from their mistakes. So, Universal said, we should start one of them cinematic universes. And what we're going to do, because we have a very ragtag group of IPs to use, we're going to do this thing where we're going to grab all of our monsters from the 30s. We're going to make them be played by... uh, a cavalcade of popular actors in their 50s high caliber uh, actors as well high caliber actors really talented actors and we're going to make a series of interconnected movies starring our classic monsters what could possibly go wrong um and what could possibly go wrong is that in their first movie which technically is dracula untold they didn't do it right and then they're like we're going to try this again and this time we're going to do the whole branding effort and we're going to put a Nick Fury ish sort of figure and we're going to have a whole of spin offs. who can do that. Oh, the guy who wrote Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which has a scene that is nearly identical to a scene in yes. this movie in which the character goes through a whole of, of, of sequels and rip offs and spin-offs. a room
0: and of IP, uh, a hallway of IP, if you will.
1: The the hallway of IP, which is something again. We should put a soundboard saying like "Welcome to a hall of IP." This movie has a hall of IP for future movies that are never going to come out because this movie was cheap. I'm, it was. Ass. I'm sold was... on most
0: of the other sound effects that you've proposed. I don't think we need a. Well, I guess I just thought of an idea for a hall of IP sound effects. Or never mind, never mind. So what is the movie? What is the mummy yeah. actually about, Pat? Again, just talk about the plot, okay, man. Okay, so
1: the mummy. The 2017 movie *The Mummy* stars uh, Tom Cruise as Nick Morton, who is a soldier slash black market antiquities dealer. As you do, um, he is a 55 year old man playing an active duty sergeant in Iraq, which is like, sure, man, cool. And you're also a black market antiquities dealer, which I could not shake. That I could not be like this character is supposed to be younger, right? This is not this guy is not supposed to be be, be played by Tom Cruise. Even if Tom Cruise can play an action hero, is like, well, he's not Tom Cruise in, in this world. He's Nick Morton, active duty sergeant slash black market antiquities dealer. But I digress. He uh, stumbles upon uh, a, the grave of a mummy of a princess who summoned the powers of basically the devil in order to kill two sleeping people and a baby and then was mummified alive. Uh, And then, The Mummy, of course, comes back to life, curses Nick Morton, played by 55-year-old Tom Cruise, and goes on a series of uh, curse-fueled rampage shenanigans with Tom Cruise running behind her, trying to beat her by, like, uh, disrupting a ritual that she has to do. And then, the movie ends by him doing the ritual and becoming the devil, and then he kills The Mummy and then the movie ends and along the movie there's a bunch of shit <laughs> there's a bunch of bullshit uh yeah man this movie oh my god the movie this movie was cheeks bro this movie huh. was bad
0: damn damn so you you've completely made up your mind on this i'd, I'd like to address well no the structure of the show well, the I've structure also, of the thing, show is we the... go through <laughs> positives so let's alternate yes your what's your first positive <laughs>
1: Oh my god, okay, so, I will say, this is a very ambitious, (laughs) a very ambitious, like, what could go wrong sort of swing, and I gotta admire the brass balls on Universal, to be like, we're gonna throw everything we have at this movie, and as a result, the production design on this movie is, at times, very detailed, insanely detailed for the type of movie that this is, and there's, like, a lot of like, physical sets, which is something that I've missed in blockbusters, just, like, these very elaborate, clearly very expensive physical sets with, like, the pool full of mercury and the sarcophagus, and then you go to, like, the prodigium set, it's like, well, I guess this looks... There's stuff that looks cool enough, and there's stuff that looks as though Universal is, like, there's no way this could go wrong. So let's just throw everything at the wall. Yeah, that's, and let's just make this a very insanely high-budgeted movie. Yeah, That's, Which that's is. also something
0: that I wrote down, is that when you have a certain amount of money, you have to be especially incompetent in order to make something look bad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad yeah. that you know the people that they got to design the sets, to set it all up, are good at their jobs yeah. very, very clearly.
1: Yeah, very very clearly. I'm also happy we're talking about the writer's strike. I'm happy that Yahtzee members got good work and they did good work on this movie. For sure. I I hope they went to the bank. I hope they went to the bank and bought whatever made them happy after making this movie. (laughs) So that's my first thing. That's the production design is my first thing. To
0: buy stuff. Just saying.
1: Well, you go to the bank. You go to the bank to cash a check or to ask for a loan on like a boat or whatever. You know, all the mummy-based boat loans that happened right after this movie bombed in theaters. Yeah. Uh, how bad did
0: it bomb in theaters?
1: <laughs> oh, this was a box office disappointment, uh, or a box office bomb. It uh, grossed uh, $410 million worldwide against a budget of $195 million. It represented a $95 million loss due to high production and marketing costs making it a box office bomb. I see. Okay. The so c- it says here, the critical and com- the bad critical and commercial reception of this movie resulted <laughs> intended to kickstart the dark universe and attempt to create a modern cinematic universe based on the classic universal monsters film series. It led to the initial discontinuation and cancellation of the dark universe. One movie, one, one movie. movie. Oh boy. Yeah, man. That's that's, that's that's too so bad what's man. <laughs> another positive
0: that you wrote down
1: oh you wrote down a uh, production design too uh vfx aren't terrible that kind of ties into the the production design yeah. sort of thing like there's 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 a lot of makeup work and a lot of vfx work that's pretty good to find in this movie um i don't think we really need to get into that i will say i wrote here uh sophia butella should get a lot of laurels for performing as the mummy as short-lived as her appearance on this movie was because this movie was way more focused on, like, no, we need to devote screen time to 55-year-old active-duty sergeant Tom Cruise.
0: <laughs> you're going to
1: say so you're, you're Butella, gonna say his entire
0: title every time. I would say she is very committed. Yeah. Extremely committed, in fact.
1: Oh, 100%. Really into this, this role, which I would be. If I was, like, you're going to... If someone told me you're going to play an undead evil mummy princess i would also be like hell yeah sign me up (laughs) i'm totally into this and like there's scenes where like she's chained up and like she climbs up the chains like in like upside down and then like the the weird little pupil thing that she does is like oh that's cool but yeah she's she's totally into this role and i really appreciate when people are really into a crazy fun weird role like playing the mummy in the mummy movie when they
0: commit a hundred percent to it and If this movie is gonna fail, it's not gonna be because of me. That sort of attitude.
1: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And Sofia Boutella is not neat. Is easily the best part of this movie. She's easily the most entertaining because she's the mummy. She's like making like sand clouds and making zombies. You're like, yeah, the the mummy isn't the worst part about this mummy movie. Which is which is good. Which is very good. Which is like. Which is a good thing normally in a movie that's called the Mummy, except that. But man, is this movie wrapped up in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she's not on screen that much. Look, and I will say the the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, the first one, the Mummy like they do the whole backstory thing at the beginning of the movie, but um, the actual Mummy like all rotting and decomposing doesn't appear until like halfway through the movie or three quarters of the way through the movie. Which is like fine because the movie is really like a cartoon about like how can this character seduce this other character before the movie the mummy appears, uh, but I found it to be just like so long and like so much exposition to get there. But I'm already sliding into bad stuff, so Damn. like okay, so, so let's just did, stop did you that. write
0: down anything else that you found positive?
1: Um, so I had the, um, I had production design, I had VFX. Correct score is kind of okay i did not find the score to be super bad um yeah man i don't i don't have much else to say okay i was very i was very frustrated with with this movie i guess did you write anything else that's positive well well i mean i like to see
0: one of my favorite actors in the world jake johnson get some work i guess that is another positive <laughs> of course, that I yeah. wrote down and yeah sure yeah, that's it too. So let's <laughs> let's get it. Let's get into our complaints about.
1: Oh yeah. Universes. Okay. I have money. a bunch of notes. It just there, there's there's a couple of things that I found. Some of them are like.
0: There's a couple of things that I found about bit ironic, that I think in the first five minutes, which has the montage that includes the crusaders burying the guy with the stone, and then someone on the news says. London is built on top of centuries of death. And I just wrote down, well, the entire United (laughs) Kingdom is. I think that's probably the reason, you know, (laughs) imperialism and all that. Cultural imperialism. It's the 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 whole reason that we even the entire Commonwealth, (laughs) yes.
1: Yeah, kinda, yeah. Yeah, no. All of the Commonwealth is built on the graves of the people that they conquered, and even still. Uh, the world found a moment to celebrate it. Yes, this past happy week. coronation
0: to all you, all you crazy folks. <laughs> happy coronation, all you crazy folks out there. Uh, <laughs> I could not give.
1: I hope Queen Charles is doing great. I hope his first day as as coronated queen has been fun.
0: I hope he's had a great time. Uh, something else I hope that him I and Camilla down.
1: are really enjoying the blood money that they're dressed in the blood gold that they're dressed in yes
0: the pearls that they're <laughs> the pearls that his ornaments are decorated <laughs> with man so much blood. oh my god so much the second thing that i wrote down is that the main characters straight away come across like way more reckless and dumb versions of indiana jones is that fair to say
1: yeah, sure, of course. And to me that's the entirety of the protagonist that I think there's a bunch of stuff that makes a protagonist kind of problematic from a story sense to me. I don't mean problematic as like he did something no, that was inappropriate from or whatever. a story perspective. As a character as as a character I found him to be very strange cuz you first of all you when you have a protagonist in a movie about a monster and you're supposed to be against the monster and for the hero You need to be for the hero. And this hero kept having opportunities to be, like, appealing or to be, like, a hero that's charming and worth following, kind of like Indiana Jones, because Indiana Jones, as bad as the people that he's fighting are, like, he's fighting Nazis, but he's, like, a dumb grave robber who, like, desecrates other people's cultures, and he's also, like, had questionable behavior with the ladies uh among the among whom are one or two high school people uh he also apparently endorses child labor when it comes to short round but that's a lot of stuff about indiana jones That's very much a product Uh, of the
0: time from when the indiana jones films were made i was i was gonna bring something up oh yeah i was gonna pitch you something i was gonna pitch you something oh yeah pitch me something imagine this entire film exact same script exact same characterization for our protagonist. Instead of Tom Cruise, we have Pete Davidson. I th- I think it makes oh my it god. instantly better, <laughs> honestly. Because
1: oh my god, it'd be instantly Pete better. Davidson
0: would play up the. It's strange. Tom Cruise is a charming man. He's not charming at all in this film. He is, and w- when he delivers, there's a line. They he did not let him be charming at all in this movie. Where the. Mummy, sofia butella's is holding him and he and he says i'm not gonna give in in terms of i'm not gonna help you take over the world i'm not gonna give in, and and it's not me it's you and it's you know it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek play on like, relationship <laughs> comedy i feel like that coming out of pete davidson's mouth would oh would my have god been that'd be great <laughs> would have been funnier and also yeah, yeah another suggestion that i that i would have a suggestion there's there's a different universe you know where this might have happened anyway I'm, I'm not trying to say a different I'm not to less dark universe. worked on this story they should have made him more of a womanizer for comedic purposes to have a couple more ladies a couple men sort of going after him it's like hey mr morton what what happened Why well, haven't you texted me back or something like that you know in order to give him sort of a more of a personality yeah. or at least to extenuate this aspect of his.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. To me, this movie, I think this, this movie is very clearly supposed or was very supposedly, you know, it was supposed to be Iron Man, but for the dark universe. And I can see a version like, like a moment on set where Alex Kurtzman is like, well, you're going to be the Robert Downey Jr. of this entire franchise. Mm-hmm. So be like a, so be like a charming asshole. But first, the material doesn't make him charming. No. And Sad the, the screenplay is clearly... The screenplay is structured in a way so he becomes the devil at the end of the movie. So you're like, what? <laughs> what? What is this movie supposed to be? This, this is crazy. Like you, This is a movie called The Mummy. And The Mummy is not in it that no. much. And she's also destroyed at the end of this movie. So like... This is really about Ghost Mummy Desert Man played by Tom Cruise. Yeah. But it's not just it's not just Nick Morton, is every character in this movie is so a, aggressively a, unlikable and it's and they're reaching for reasons for like I forgot the name of this character. I call her, her Doctor Science Woman. I think her name is um, Jessica Halsey. Yeah, Je- Jesse or Jenny or something. Um one of one of but yeah the two. this this character right before like, we get into her just, yeah I wrote down
0: archaeologists slash thieves yeah. with access to airstrikes. But you said he's also a on duty. <laughs> what, what, what did you say? An on duty? What?
1: He's a sergeant. So this this confused me at first, but then I worked it out, and then I was like, no, this is still stupid. Okay. So he is an active duty sergeant in Iraq. And they they like say pretty heavily because he has like a CEO and he's supposed to be like a hundred miles like away from where he is at the moment. So he's an active duty sergeant and he has been pulling off this con where he is tracking the movements of whatever insurgents or like Al-Qaeda placeholders this movie has, right? So he goes to places that have like some sort of valuable architecture or valuable like sorry uh ancient cultural trinkets that he can okay. steal and then the insurgents follow him and his companion played by Jake Johnson and they gun down as as cuz they showed it at the beginning they're like gunning down Mesopotamian architecture with like AK47s which is like cool man
0: those those um, those uh those coked out idiots shooting at statues that's what i wrote is yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that 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 is just yeah, yeah yeah yeah. okay so he's but a like, dirtbag is what you're is, saying this character is a complete He's a, dirt he's bag. a
1: dirtbag because here's the thing he could very well just be like a guy that follows like insurgents and terrorists around the middle east and steals yeah. their stuff but they also put in this completely unnecessary part of his character where like well, if he's caught as like an antiquity smuggler, he goes to jail or he has to pay a fine or whatever. However, he is also an active member of the military on tour in the Middle East who is actively disobeying orders to engage in crime. And his companion says it like, why are we even doing this? If we get caught, we go to Leavenworth for and 20 multiple years. And people point out to like, him,
0: oh, you're going to sell us on the black market, aren't you? Like, yeah. He's a complete There's so many inconsistencies. This should be a character that's completely irredeemable. He's a modern colonizer
1: almost. You know, he's... He's a modern colonizer, but it's also the consequences of this movie. He's an arm of the British Museum or something like that. Yeah, but this character, like, it's... There's so many errors in this movie that are completely of their own making. Like, completely unforced errors where, like, this could just be, like, a normal smuggler. This guy could be Indiana Jones, like, he's a... I mean... Indiana Jones is a college professor, but he's also an antiquity smuggler or whatever. You don't have to add in this element of, like, he's supposed to be answering to someone. <laughs> like, why is I he mean, it's threatening probably the only way 20 get him years in prison in Leavenworth? <laughs> it's the only way to get him onto an airplane, I guess. No, actually, or no. Or to hang from an airplane. the
0: army could arrest him and, you know, try to the take army him could back arrest him. to the U.S. We just, yeah, we just so solved many, that problem, man. What the hell?
1: There's so many dumb, so many dumb inconsistencies to this character. He is also, like, a, there's a scene where Jenny or Jesse or whatever, Dr. Dr. Science Halsey. Woman comes up to him. Dr. Science Woman comes up to him and says something like, the hieroglyphs on the sarcophagus. And he's like, I'm not interested in archaeological jargon. And he's like, dude, you're in a black market antiquities dealer. You know what a hieroglyph is. Like, it's not like... You're a du- like you're not like he's dumb because he doesn't know what a hieroglyph is. And Doctor Science Woman does. He's supposed to know this stuff. He's been in the Middle East for a long I would argue time he is dealing with Egyptian character. shit. I would
0: argue the character is at least a little dumb because his first instinct. <laughs>
1: oh, he's he's super dumb.
0: Is just to shoot stuff.
1: Oh my God! And there's there's so many dumb things that he does and like. There's there's stuff you could like I mean Indiana Jones is dumb but he's set up to be a dumb character like the fact that he goes like I'm going to compare this movie a lot to Indiana Jones cuz is the closest thing I have to compare oh, it to sure. it's closer to com- it's closer to the compare this character to the Indiana Jones than Brendan Fraser's character from the original mummy cuz it's closer in time frame and in the way the character is set up right like dual responsibilities or whatever Indiana Jones is a dumb character, and you know that from the beginning of the movie because he goes to Marion's bar in Tibet And the first thing he does is accidentally set it on fire Like that's the first thing that character does when he gets to Tibet. This character makes decisions That are not even mistakes. that are not even errors of the character. They're just so aggressively stupid things because the screenplay demands it like the scene they're in the tomb, which we're going to get into the mummy stuff and the weird inconsistency stuff in a second. But we're really... I'm really into just roasting yeah, this amazing character for a second. Make
0: him an active duty soldier. Make him an actual dirtbag. Make him a thief, a globe trotting thief that has... Maybe make he can him, have a sponsor. Maybe his sponsor can be Dr. Jekyll. Who the fuck knows?
1: Who, they could have made something out of this, but there's just a bunch... Like, they're in the tomb... And they're like, no, we gotta get out of the tomb because there's, like, spiders and shit. And he, like, s- shoots the chain for no exactly. reason. Like, for no reason. Like, he's, suppo- he's like, he could very well use that gun to, like... I mean, he's already probably going to Leavenworth for Black Market Antiquities Dealing or whatever. So he could just point the gun at Dr. Science Woman and tell his associate, take all the gold from this tomb and we're gonna get the fuck out of here. <laughs> He'd just do that. And instead it's like, no, I'm gonna shoot this chain and it's going to raise whatever is dipped in that mercury for no reason. The the whole, oh my god, I was so mad when he was like, I'm not interested in archaeological jargon. I was so mad at that. Uh, the decision he makes at the end makes no sense, because he's been told, like, well, if you get stabbed with the dagger, the devil takes control of you, but, but then it doesn't, it, doesn't it, no one it gave it just him any... It takes doesn't take
0: control of him. No
1: but it just doesn't exactly. and then he make and then he brings and then he brings this doctor that has been nothing short of annoying to him the whole movie and he's like i'm going to bring her back to life because of love i guess
0: Movie and love, then <laughs> baby.
1: He, so many dumb but they're not even character decisions because again mistakes that a character makes aren't plot holes no no
0: no 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 it's
1: just like a, the way that a character is set up is fine these are entirely like screen like this character does this thing for screenplay reasons because a character has to do this so the movie can continue but it's also situations that the move that the movie makes up it's like there's you could make up a situation where those decisions aren't as egregious or aren't as like wait what why when would this character do this like it makes no sense yeah,
0: there's a bunch of stuff in terms of oh the, the oh, screenplay wait, requires no one to notice this or everyone no to be dumb in order for this to happen yeah when they're finally yeah. on the plane my with the mummy's tomb and jake johnson's character starts getting pale he's already getting pale at the start of the flight and has like a weird scar on his cheek and just no one sees it so yeah. that he can and to try no one, to free no them one. the tomb and
1: stab the
0: colonel is it a colonel that he stabs
1: yeah yeah Yeah, he stabs, uh, Courtney B. Vance, who is utterly wasted in this movie. Just an utter waste of an incredible actor in, like, two scenes, like, less than a dozen lines of dialogue, and then he gets unceremoniously stabbed by Jake Johnson (laughs) on top of a plane for no reason. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff that I wanted to get into, and some of them has to do with, like, the dark universe of it all, the prodigium stuff, uh... So what what do you say we get into prodigium? What do you say we get into this shield ass, this shield wannabe society that is in this movie?
0: Absolutely, let's get into it. They walk. So okay, are there, so do you want to talk of some of the about some of the monsters you might have recognized in there?
1: So yeah, so the idea of this society, from what I understand, is that it is a society much like the Monarch Corporation in the in the Godzilla movies or, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel movies, it is the secret society that is dedicated to protecting society at large from the unseen, from the unknown, from the things hiding in the itty-bitty shadow pockets of the world. And this society in particular is dedicated to, like, hunting down creatures like the mummy, uh, vampires. There is the hand from the creature from the Black Lagoon in a scene. There are Frankenstein stuff, and there's... A bunch of spooky skeleton skulls in jars. Oh my god, I, I did not like this at all. It felt so. It felt. It felt so out of like. And first of all, we already mentioned you just can't help yourself, but not like it. Yeah, it's as we said, it's a hall of IP, and I really don't like halls of IP because it's it's so transparent. It's so utterly transparent. And like Marvel does IP stuff all the time, but they hide it behind comedy. Or, like, they hide it in the background for, like, YouTube channels to spot. Like, they do a better job of hiding it than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, they literally go through a hallway with, like, the vulture's wings on display and the rhino suit and the Dr. Octopus suit. And they do the same in this movie. It's... The the guy who wrote Amazing Spider-Man 2 directed this movie. It's insane. Oh, and he also wrote uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, yes. I think. So he's also obsessed with, like magic blood curing people and like
0: at the time when I saw started into darkness in theaters I was I was happy I was satisfied but then as I thought about the film more and more and more and more I started to poke holes in it and at some point I genuinely hated it now I'm well not many feelings about it anymore yeah. but
1: Well, that's what I call the Rise of Skywalker thing, which is like, or the Wonder Woman 1984 thing, which is just like, the more I think about a movie that's kind of not good, I start liking it less. (laughs) Yeah,
0: There are six credited writers on this film, which means that this script was rewritten at least three times.
1: Yeah, because it's a big tentpole franchise movie. A big tentpole franchise movie, and the studio
0: panicked multiple times about the fact that it might be bad and it still turned out yeah. kind of bad sorry
1: this is a 20 20- this is not like a movie from a long time ago this is not even a, like a reason. this is a movie that came out in 2017 in like the second renaissance of like these big franchise superhero like this is a year ragnarok came out this is a year homecoming came out this is a year wonder woman came out this is a year logan came out opinions are divided on the last jedi i think it's fantastic uh, but it came out that same year like, man, this movie ha- did not have an excuse to be this bad.
0: <laughs> In terms of the field of blockbusters, it being bad really, really played against it, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so, because th- there were a lot of good blockbusters that year. Like, I was just looking over, and there's, like, a, a bunch of, like, really good... Like, that was a good Oscars year, too. Like, the, the year after, like, like Shape of Water and, like, this movie... Like, uh, that was a good movie year, 2017, this movie did not have to be; had no right to be this bad. It did not have to be as comfortable with his suckiness. Speaking as of uh,
0: prodigium, which you just brought up after we got distracted again, yeah. goddammit, damn it. Um, And yeah, people being dumb in order to some for something to happen in the plot. That Mister Jekyll man, yeah. he's not very mindful of the time. <laughs> yeah, no. We see him. No. Well, the first time he almost becomes Mister Hyde. He, again, not mindful enough of the time, he almost becomes a monster and just barely manages to inject himself with something that keeps him as yeah. Henry Jekyll. But then... An
1: unnecessarily complicated injection device instead of just like an EpiPen. Yeah. <laughs> just like an EpiPen, and then, man.
0: Again, he's, he's talking to Tom Cruise again for a bit, then he's gone for a bit, then he's back talking to Tom Cruise. And we have to meet Mr. Hyde so we have to make mr jekyll dumb and <laughs> just have a very very terrible like i if yeah. i had you know a split personality and i was able to stop it from happening with an injection i would have alarms on my phone or even in my office just <laughs> I would alarms have alarms on my phone in the company that i own just have alarms go off every time i need the injection yes. and have a voice loudly count down from I don't know like 100. If, yes. As soon as I count down to one, you will become the monster. So you better get that injection. And then he counts down from 100 to yes. one. Yes. But we needed to meet and then not Mr. Just, Hyde. And then
1: not just that. And then not just that. But if I was also the leader of an incredibly, apparently incredibly powerful secret society, because they're capable of like shutting down civil work in Egypt in London and in America for some reason like they're able to just be everywhere. I would also have like three assistants on top of that shit. Like I would just have like so when it's time just inject me don't even tell me anything just like stick an EpiPen in my exactly, leg or whatever. <laughs> like oh my god and it's needlessly like a Rube Goldberg machine just to just to prevent Mr. Hyde from appearing and that's what that's precisely what allows Mr. Hyde to appear. That's another screenwriting another screenplay thing which is like this mechanism has to be complex enough so russell crowe fumbles it and becomes mr hyde in the middle of this movie because remember in the avengers where there was that scene where the hulk hulks out in the helicarrier and the whole bunch of shit happens he almost
0: destroys it completely and he fights all of the avengers yeah we need need our avengers to fight each other
1: yeah you know that part of the Avengers where, like, there was a character who got, like, mind-controlled into everything? Yeah, let's do that in this movie, but just do it from, like, every angle possible. Like, the mummy hasn't covered one avenue, but still, he's he, she's gonna make Tom Cruise hallucinate with his American werewolf and London-ass friend. Like, just cover all the avenues, just, like, be sure that the plan goes off without a hitch, even though it doesn't. <laughs> like... Oh my god, so many so many weird Avengers, uh, like, os- osmosis, I guess, uh, franchise very, very stuff. Very,
0: heavy inspiration. So, f- f- so from very what heavy. I'm gathering from what we've both said so far, this movie is dumb as hell while holding <laughs> so itself dumb. to a very, very high standard
1: yes they are this movie is that
0: acknowledge that they're dumb and run
1: with their dumb concept yes like cocaine bear precisely (laughs) like exactly like cocaine bear which is a bad movie but it's a much more fun bat movie than this yeah i think this movie this movie really was like no we're gonna make this a serious franchise but what's a serious franchise marvel so they Took like all those, like they said, like, well, the Avengers is all epic moments and just like a bunch of jokey, dumb bits and just like characters being like vaguely snarky and vaguely charming and just like a bunch of quips. And that's what this movie is, but it is devoid, I guess, of like a screenplay that makes sense or performances that are interested in what they're doing.
0: Is unable to come across charming.
1: Yeah, man, you've got a problem.
0: Because. Ethan Hunt is charming enough, I would say. And yeah. Maverick, I mean.
1: I will say, look, this character was very similar to his character from Edge of Tomorrow. Just this really dickish, vaguely dickish, dirtbag character. Yeah, but in Edge of, like Tomorrow, the beginning of, he, Edge of Tomorrow, he is has like an
0: actual arc. He evolves from this dickish dumb guy, yes, dumb guy general, he, to and, the hero that he needs to be.
1: And this arc, the arc he has in this movie is like, he's a bad person and he becomes the devil. Exactly. <laughs> he is the end of this movie is he's, he's the, the devil. devil but now. it
0: doesn't affect him somehow <laughs> because,
1: yeah, he's, the de- he's got the devil in this hole. He's got the devil in his soul. He's a Batman with a bad soul. And he's still like, no, man, we're going to go on adventures in the desert, bro. <laughs> like for sure, dude, man, it's crazy, isn't it? It's so it's, it's insane. Yeah. Um. I do have, like, actual, like, serious notes about what's wrong with this movie. I I have here, there's an inkling of something interesting and different with the idea of, like, what if the Brendan Fraser mummy movie ended with Brendan Fraser becoming an even worse, more horrible thing than the mummy in, like, desperation to beat it? That's a a cool idea for, like, a modern adaptation of, like, a very campy, pre-code monster movie. That's a fun idea. But this movie is way too wrapped up in convolution, the generic nature of the way that it unfolds and just like all the franchise stuff that it's trying to service in order to do that. Because the idea of like Tom Cruise becomes the bad guy throughout the movie, like becomes the ultimate evil. It's a fun idea. It's a cool idea.
0: Do you think he has one of those things in in the contracts that he signs when he signs on to do a film? where he just can't be evil ever in in a similar way where the rock has to be the protagonist and in his fight scenes he has to take the exact same amount of punches that he hands out before one of the yeah do you think tom cruise has like a hero
1: clause i would i i would say he does if movies like collateral and tropic thunder were But those came out over a decade ago Those came out over a decade ago, yeah, but I would still, I don't think Tom Cruise has a hero clause, I think he has a hang from stuff clause, and a I have to run in this movie clause, and uh, for movies with co-stars, like romantic co-stars that are clearly taller than him, a let's put this character in a crevasse clause so he seems taller. (laughs) I think he has those, I don't think he has a hero clause. Cause again, in Edge of Tomorrow, he's a dick. He's a dick for most of the movie. And even by the time the movie ends, it's like, well, he's a nicer dick, but he's a dick nonetheless. Like he's like he's very comfortable with like vaguely dickish dudes that are kinda charming. Kinda like Robert Downey Jr. Like that's that's kind of their whole shtick, it's like, well, we're dirtbags where we're charming they're they're Star Lord. They're basically Star Lord, <laughs> is what they are. They're charming dirtbags.
0: S- charming dirtbags and they're smarter than Star-Lord, I
1: would say. They're they're a, they're a whole lot smarter than Star-Lord. Both of those both of the characters that these both these people play are a lot smarter than Star-Lord. Like he he hedged the fate of well, the yeah, galaxy look, e- on Ethan the dance. Hunt. Off.
0: Like <laughs> Ethan Hunt is smarter than Star-Lord. What's his name? Nick. Oh, 100%. Morton? Nick Morton is a yeah, complete Nick Morton. dumbass and a dirtbag and a terrible guy. <laughs>
1: He's- the the worst dude possible and on top of Um, all that he's unlikable
0: in the film as well if you were if at least he were likable and memorable as a character you can forgive someone being a, a dirtbag on on film
1: yes most of the problems of this movie this is another thing that i wrote down most of the problems of this movie which is already something that we mentioned come directly from unforced situations that the screenwriters force themselves into and that doesn't just apply to Nick Morton it applies to the entirety of the mummy's plan and the fact that he has like a ghost friend that is helping him the, out the progression, and the fact that this the progression
0: doesn't feel natural enough because obviously as a no, it as doesn't. a writer you have to sort of push it in a certain direction sometimes that's inevitable i mean writing writing a movie sometimes is that's fucking inevitable, hard. yes but in this instance every single goddamn time it feels like an unforced error oh my dictated God, yeah. by the benevolent God of the story. There's one thing that I found uh, particularly amusing. It's interesting. Um, Tom Cruise is talking to the mummy and he points out, oh, you murdered your family, didn't you? And she responds, they were different times. I think that's that's the line. Uh, you know those good old times when it was okay <laughs> to murder your family? Times.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember what I was uh, going to say. So there's, there's a bunch of instances. Again, this feeds into this happens for script reasons sort of thing. But like the Colonel played by Courtney B. Vance, it's like you two are criminals and you're not trustworthy. And then Dr. Science Woman shows up and it's like, I got to go into that hole um, and I need you to send men with me. And Courtney B. Vance uh, sends the two dudes that are completely the two untrustworthy, untrustworthy men with her the two the two untrustworthy men into the hole with this dude and that's the entirety the entire reason why this movie happens is because he didn't send two normal dudes two normal just normal soldiers that soldiers. weren't just two regular ass soldiers um uh i have more notes here uh Oh, these are antiquities dealers being careless with priceless artifacts, like the chain that he shoots at the beginning of the movies? Like, well For you can example. also like you can also like just like sell those chains, right? Like those chains look like they could be worth something. Um Uh The archaeological journal drug- Oh, movie about Egyptian mummies takes place in London. <laughs> it's like okay, sure. I know it's cheaper in Iraq to shoot there
0: and in London, but not well. I guess the flashback with the original princess becoming a mummy that takes place in Egypt, but that is
1: like yeah
0: more or less. And you want to know 10%. why?
1: You want to know why it takes place in London? Because it's cheaper to shoot there. It's cheaper to shoot in London than it is in Egypt. That's the entire reason. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, so you're gonna spend money on marketing, but not on making a movie mummy movie fun? Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, the Jenny character, the Dr. Science Lady character, is a very superfluous character because she's only there to say exposition about stuff that the character kind of already is supposed to know. The character doesn't have any reason to be there, and there's not really a lot of need for the character to be there story-wise. She's just there, and she's very unpleasant, like every other character in this movie. So it's like, why are you even in this movie?
0: Love interest, Lady? Um...
1: Love interest lady, it's she's there. So Tom Cruise, so fifty-five-year-old uh, active-duty Sergeant Nick Morton can be like, "Oh, I love this lady that I've known for one day max," <laughs> and, and just be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna yell her back to life," <laughs> after this movie is done. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of comedy bits, but they're terrible and out of place and really mesh with the tone that the movie is trying to create. Again, this movie is very clearly trying to be like the Iron Man of this entire franchise, so there's a lot of comedy snarkiness mixed in, but like the the comic relief ghost friend is completely out of place in this mummy movie that's like very concerned about making like desiccated zombies and like a mummy a threat. you know what I mean I see well um
0: and i, I, I the the tones aren't just mixed that well because there there's a place for humor in stories, yeah, of course,' overall. It's not incorporated well enough. Let's, let's word it like that.
1: Yeah. The source material of The Mummy, like the 30s movie, is an inherently campy, sort of elevated movie. So it would make sense that you would put some humor in it. It's just not well integrated. Um, and the final thing that I have here, uh, it is that... Uh, well, first of all, that we already mentioned the friend bit is clearly ripping off American Werewolf in London. But there's also uh, the fact that the mummy, the titular mummy of this movie, Emanet, misses, I'm gonna kill two sleepy people and the baby and I need to bring the devil into this for some reason. She is clearly like half naked, except for like strategically placed bandages so she could still be sexy, even though you're trying to be like, oh no, a monster. <laughs> like it's very clearly like, oh no, they, they're trying to make the mummy hot for some reason. No man, just just make it creepy.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's uh, it. Didn't quite sit right with me, but it didn't. F- I wouldn't say it felt exploitative. That's what I would say.
1: I I would say it be it was a little exploitative because it's like oh, her nips are being covered by like a, like a strip of gauze that's like very strategic. It's kind of like the clothing on Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. Video games, like the mm. older Mortal Kombat video games, which is like, mm, oh, mm, there's mm, it was clearly, clearly animated. So like, if in the game you tore off like a piece of her clothing, like, like her underboob would fall out, but like there'd be like a thin strip of like mili- vaguely military clothing, like, <laughs> apparently double sided taped to her areola or whatever. Like it was very clearly like, oh, we're trying to like sell merch, and like, uh. We're going to take advantage of the fact that Rule 34 is a thing. Like, there's a lot of really weird stuff. Oh.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, there's dude. a lot of movies.
1: There's there's a lot of pop culture things that really count on, like, well, this is going to blow up everywhere. And for better or worse, Rule 34 animated stuff brings a lot of notoriety to, like, Overwatch, for example. Like, Overwatch became this huge thing in 2016 and 2017. Mainly because it's it was a good game, but also because there was a lot of waifu bait, (laughs) a lot of waifu bait. I and in this movie, under the titular mummy from this movie, kind of felt like that. Yeah. Under
0: any circumstance, did I ever think that we would end up bringing up Rule Thirty Four in some kind of way? I guess. Oh. Something. Something new. It it
1: makes its way into everything. (laughs) It makes its way into everything. Um. Dear God. So now that we've done through. Now that we've gone through Pat's random notes, how about we go into how we would fix this movie? Um, And I, I wanna start by just saying, if you're going to go with this, again, the same thing that I said at the beginning of this video, it's an inherently cool idea to like, of like a character succumbing to something very evil in order to defeat something that is a little bit more badass than him. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. I see, I that's see what I, you're going for. Like
1: I I really like the ending of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness for that reason. Just this idea of like he's risking his own soul to save this girl from across the multiverse. And like it's a cool visual and conceptual ending. Like he possesses his own corpse <laughs> across the multiverse and then makes a cape out of like the ghosts of the damned that come to drag him down to hell. And it's like, oh, that's that's freaking metal. And the idea of like Tom Cruise. Is fighting a mummy, so the whole, so the way that he's gonna beat the mummy is going to, is like selling his soul to the devil. It's like, that's a, that's a cool way to do a movie. And this movie should have really leaned into that, like, no, he's killed the mummy, but at what price, you know? And the movie kind of does that, but not in a way that's interesting. I, I would say the movie straight up doesn't do it because he's okay at the end. Yeah, but he still has like ghost mummy, desert man, devil powers. But so, he doesn't
0: and- use them for, for evil. You know, I digress. I said the way I would improve this film is to make the main character full dirtbag, thief, no connection to the military whatsoever, and, yeah. po- and and possibly a younger lead. Not necessarily Pete yeah. Davidson, but a younger yeah. lead overall.
1: We, we said that as a joke. It'd be fun to see it, but like a younger lead... And just like simplify this movie, just like you have to take a couple passes because, like, when it comes to a monster movie, that when you're adapting something from the '30s, simplicity is key, man. Like, you just have to like Invisible Man, the the newer version with like Elizabeth Moss. The reason it's great it's because its approach to this mon- to this like creature from the '30s is so simple and it's very brilliantly realized because it understands that you're there for creepy stuff. And like just do creepy stuff.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the concept of the Invisible Man inherently creepy. The, inherently creepy. The, the yeah, I guess the yeah. concept of an undead Egyptian pharaoh inherently creepy. So, I see. Yeah. I see your point of
1: trying this, to keep it This simple. could have been. This could have been a really cool movie if it was just. I mean, it does again it doesn't have to be Tom Cruise, and if it is Tom Cruise, make him. Indiana Jones just make him like he's been in this game for a long time. Just like put this, put this in the movie and just have it be like, oh, there's a mummy chasing him and and a Doctor Science lady through like the inner labyrinth of a pyramid or something. Like keep it simple, bro.
0: Yeah. Well, I've ran I ran out of notes on this film a while ago. Let's talk about which film could replace. The Mummy, on our weekly poll, which you are (laughs) welcome to participate in, we said that the Mummy slot would be a blockbuster box office bomb spot. Yes, there another blockbuster box office bomb that comes to your mind?
1: So, I I have here my list, and a lot of them are uh, blockbuster box office bomb sort of things. I have... Um, so there's a bunch of superhero movies we could put in this. Like? Uh, we could put uh, Suicide Squad, David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Uh, we okay. could put Bat- Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. We could put the 90s Captain America, who is played by uh, J.D. Salinger's J.D. Salinger's son, which is a weird-ass movie, a really weird movie. Um, We could put Amazing Spider-Man 2 and just keep the Kurtzman train going, baby. We could just keep... Keep the Kurtzman train going. Uh, we, we could do like a bad Marvel, like a bad uh, I don't know, uh, Batman v Superman, or we could do Love and Thunder. What do you think? I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Joel to...
0: Schumacher. I want I want to do Batman
1: and Robin. Let's do let's do old as well, not old as. Let's do '90s, the most '90s Batman movie possible. Batman and Robin for next week. Uh, that's gonna take this movie slot um max do you have anything else to say before we sign off uh do you want to say something to our dear beautiful viewers well thank you so much for listening thank you for keeping up with us and yeah
0: um well i don't know movies are beautiful man that's that (laughs) that's all that's all (laughs) that jumps to mind right now movies
1: are pretty great am i right fellas yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, man. I mean, look, this was a big old garbage fire of a movie, but uh, hopefully if um, if mummy movies, because I think it's inevitable, I think Brendan Fraser's like, return to the limelight is putting the mummy in a lot of people's minds. And once the writer strike is done, a lot of people are going to try to pitch mummy movies to Universal, and I just hope some of them are good.
0: Well, let's keep that hope alive. Let's keep that picket line going. And let's yep. sign off for this week. Pat, where can people find you?
1: My God, uh, people can find me uh, decidedly not rewatching Tom Cruise's The Mummy. <laughs> uh, but they can find me as at Pat idiot on both Instagram and Twitter. I am bilingual on both of those networks.
0: Max, where can people find you? Okay, people can find me on Instagram at Maswer, M-A-S-W-E-R. And on Letterboxd, add war
1: 11 Okay, there's 10 other MassWares. He's the 11th one. He's by far the best out of all the 11s. There's not a 12th one. There's not a 13th one. Um, and so, Max, uh, just like a cursed Egyptian princess, we are putting this episode deep into the mercury pit. Uh, <laughs> we're putting this movie into a mercury pit. Never to speak of it again guarded by statues of Anubis so it does not return from the dead. Uh, This has been quite a fun conversation to have with you, bud. Oh, absolutely. Like always, man. And uh, I hope I get to see you next week so we can talk about... It's probably going to be Batman and Robin, but I hope it's a a different slot from this uh, poll that we have because, believe it or not, Diana the Musical almost won this week. Really? I I just want to... I just want an excuse to watch Diana the musical, man. I, that sounds I'd like a crazy... just watch a musical, exactly. <laughs> I, I, we could totally watch a musical. Uh, I gotta put cats in this list. I did not put cats in this list. Mm. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to watch cats at some point, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. And uh, I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great life. And remember, every movie's a miracle, even if it's bad. See you next week.